broadcasting live out of a basement in Appleton, Wisconsin. You're tuned in to Fox City's Core on WCZR Code Zero Radio. We're the show that gives you an opportunity to call in and be a part of the show. Our call in line is 920-358-0795. Core. My next guest has played in a number of projects, including Yesterday's Kids, The Obsoletes, and The Blue Heels. He went on to form his own band called Tim Schwager and the Middlemen. I'd like to welcome Tim Schwager to Fox City's Core. Tim, how are you today? I am doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. And uh, of course, some winter snow this morning, which is, you kind of have to... I had a bit of weather. <laughs> Definitely ran into some weather. A bit of traffic on the way up, too. Just a bit. I appreciate you doing this this morning. It's a early, of course, in, in the morning. We were kind of talking before the show. Musicians, it's just a little early to get up. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm a dad. I'm a single dad of one, and I'm up at six every morning anyway. So, Does your your daughter make sure of that? Uh, no, it's right now she's 14, so I, may, I have to make sure she's up, because otherwise I don't think she would ever get out of bed. <laughs> Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about what you've got going on. What was the, the latest release that, that you put out? Um, well, the latest, uh, in 2020, I put out a string of three singles, and the last one was called Red Coyote. And um, in the meantime, I put out a remaster of my second record, The Big Letdown, but that was all mostly, it's, it's just a remaster of the original album we didn't remix it or anything and if people have not heard of tim schwager before how would you describe your music Mm. (laughs) um tom petty mixed with the foo fighters that's not my that's not what i would say but uh, that's what i've read multiple times and the replacements gets put in there uh but a lot because of the Tommy Stinson connection. But uh, that happened before that, I think, also. Yeah, you played in Tommy Stinson's band for a while. A couple of years, yeah. How, how was that experience? Because Tom, Tommy's got like a reputation for sometimes having sort of an attitude, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, I'm not the type of guy that'll piss off someone <laughs> that has that <laughs> reputation. So we got along just fine. <laughs> was this uh, before he was touring with Guns N' Roses, or was this after? It was during. During? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we got some Guns N' Roses experiences <laughs> while we were in there, and got to meet them. Not Axel, um, but I don't know, I think maybe that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never met the guy, so I can't, I won't talk shit about anybody I've never met. Well, it's pretty crazy. So I'm guessing you got to take in a few Guns N' Roses shows as mm-hmm. well as the meet and greet thing. Yep. Yep. It was like, um, we're the same age and uh, you've seen Wayne's World. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Wayne's World too, where they go backstage and then they're not let backstage and then they get swarmed by people and they're like, you're that Wayne World guy. It was a lot like that, you know? mainstream rock and roll concert <laughs> i had a laminate and i still have it it's hanging up in my bedroom with all the rest of my laminates i save them i'm gonna give them my kid or something i don't know did uh people see the laminate and then try to ask you to help get them backstage 
That seems to be a common thing. Um, I'm also smart enough to get out of there pretty quick. And it was in sh- Chicago, so like I was just wanted to get home by that point. The what I'm thinking of is we had a Tommy was doing an in-store at a record store in Chicago. So we all went down and did the record store with him. And then uh, he he was in town because Guns N' Roses was on tour. And so we got to sit in these cool seats and it was awesome. Like it was I went in, you know, thinking it was going to be a joke and maybe going to laugh at Axel and see how old we've all gotten. The dude didn't hit a bad note, and the first song was Welcome to the Jungle, and as soon as those first notes hit, I, like, lost my shit. I'm like, oh, my God! Yeah! When you were a kid, was Guns N' Roses a band that you liked at the time? Yeah, it was one of the first cassettes I got, Appetite for Destruction, for sure. And then uh, when I took guitar lessons, one of the like first guitar solos I learned was Sweet Child of Mine at uh, Gilmore Brothers in Appleton, a little local plug. So Guns N' Roses ended up putting out the double Use Your Illusions album, which is not exactly the same, but we could say the big Letdown Deluxe Remastered, which I believe had 39 songs on it. Yeah, well. You, you could kind of compare it to that, and that was a good album, and then you put it out as a deluxe version, which included live versions, demos, like everything. What? Why did you decide to, to put out a deluxe version? Um, just because I had it and Justin and I wanted to do it. It's It was either the last record he recorded after he or before he uh, moved on to just mastering. Um, and it's the last record we made together, um, which, you know. I love that aspect of it. And so it it would have been nice to remix it if we had the time, but honestly, I like how it's mixed. And he just was like, I have better mastering stuff now. Because he was the last, it was like his transition album. It was like one of the last he mixed, but then one of the first he mastered. So he was still mastering out of his like, old house that he had like five houses ago whenever that was i don't know 10 years ago 12 years ago how, how did you go about finding all the the demos um the middleman stuff is pretty easy because by like 2006 most stuff was digital and so it was really easy to archive whereas justin and i are going through some stuff now for our bands that we were doing together and that is on each session is on a different format and it has been such a headache and <laughs> so expensive and uh, thankfully I had most of it either on a CD or on my hard drive already and I saved the files, the master files when they were made. Uh, it was just a case of pulling it all together and sequencing it all? And- I think we learned early on from the Yesterday's Kids and Obsolete's thing like the Obsolete's record was mixed to tape, and, you know, we're very much pro-analog recording, but we can't deny the advancements of technology, and so it's just like, we need at least to have hard drive files of everything, because tapes degrade over time, and uh, 
you know, that's what's great about them, but that's also what's a bummer about them. Well, let's go all the way back to when you started music, when you got interested in it. We were talking a little bit before the show started, but you were telling me about kind of the band that was the, the, the band that got you into it. You want to talk a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. Um, I was born in 1981, so in 1991... I was 10 years old, and uh, that was like the perfect time for, that's when Nirvana came out. And uh, my best friend's dad had a beautiful guitar, like this 1959 Gibson Les Paul Jr., which was like before, it's an SG, but before they switched the names and started calling them the SG. He still has it, it's Justin, Justin Perkins. And um, so, you know, Imagine a fifth grader, two fifth graders with an electric guitar. What do you want to do with that? You want to start a band and you want to play Nirvana songs. And we're the same age, and I think you probably did the same thing too. And anyone watching, I'm not a betting man, but I would guess to say that's a safe bet that Nirvana played some part in anyone's musical life that was born in our generation. Absolutely. So you met Justin Perkins really early on. Yes, you... in the 1900s. <laughs> Were you guys going to school together? Were you in the same class, neighbors? We went to elementary school together. And then uh, his parents split up, so his mom moved to my neighborhood. And so we lived like a block away from each other. And so our moms were like, you know, let's set up a play date, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so Justin doesn't get sad or Tim needs more friends, <laughs> whatever, you know, how parents, are, how d you're not in control of your social life at that point. So you took guitar lessons for a short time at Gilmore brothers, like you said, and then Justin, was he drawn right to bass or was he playing guitar? He you? was honest. It's, it seems ridiculous to think about because we were children, you know, I was a 10. And so he had that guitar, and he knew his dad taught him a couple chords. And I started playing violin when I was in second grade. So that's like three, that's like seven around there. And as soon as you know, I saw the guitar. I'm like, Mom, get rid of the get rid of the violin. I want a guitar. And after a couple of years of badgering her, <laughs> she gave in. And then my grandma bought me an amp and. The rest is history. It sounds like your your family was very supportive. Yes, yeah. always, always. And, and in whatever way they can be, you know. Because I don't really come from like a musical family. Everyone in my family loves music, but I'm really the only musician uh, besides my daughter. What, what does your daughter do? What does she play? Um, she plays the bass guitar and the saxophone and the ukulele. Any chance that she might start a project with you eventually? With me? Uh, you'd have to ask her. <laughs> uh, but, um, I get her to come down in the basement with me sometimes and she'll plug up her bass and I'll sit at the drum set and she knows a couple, like she knows a queen song and, uh, so we'll do... Uh, she knows crazy little thing called love, so I'll sing it and play drums, and she'll play the bass. So with uh, Justin, mm. you guys start 
playing songs together. Are you just working on cover songs? Are you writing songs? Oh, right, yeah. So Justin's playing his three chords, and I, the best I could do at first was boxes with wooden spoons. And uh, at that point, I didn't even know what writing a song meant or anything. I just was like, those guys have songs. Where did they get them? I guess (laughs) they made them up. So we just started making up our own songs. And uh, it's interesting to listen to now because it's like raw, just child that like naivety coming out musically. But I mean, other than that, it's pretty terrible. So eventually you guys got it together and formed Yesterday's Kids. But did you have any band names before that where it was just you and Justin? So many, so many. (laughs) Any that you can say on the air? Yeah, uh, <laughs> none of them were ever <laughs> vulgar. Um, uh, our first band, it was me and Justin and Joe, which later, like six years later, would also become Yesterday's Kids. Um, we were called Amazing Larry. <laughs> that was like the first, okay, we're going to set all our stuff up. We convinced Joe, who was our babysitter, to, or no, his older sister was our babysitter, and his younger brother was also in our class and so joe's jared is his younger brother shout out to jared he still lives up in the fox valley if he's listening um he we were like okay jared's brother go you probably have more money than jared you should rent a drum set and then like we'll show you what to play and that's it and so we were amazing larry and then we were the flips and, you know, we added friends, uh, our friend Brian. Then we were the Screwballs. And that lasted for a while. That was our high school band. And then it just kind of reverted back to Amazing Larry. And then when when that band got signed, the, one of the conditions of our contract was we had to change our name from Amazing Larry to something, <laughs> anything else. So Amazing Larry got signed. Yes. Amazingly enough, <laughs> was that a, a like a national record label or a local label? Um, it was uh, called Panic Button Records, which was run by Ben Weasel and John Jughead of the legendary punk rock band Screeching Weasel. And um, the first record was with them, and then they got bought out by Lookout, and so Lookout put out our second record. And that was that brings us up to about 2002. I had to be pretty excited, exciting getting signed, you know, to Ben Weasel's label. Obviously, you're a Screeching Weasel fan. Huge, huge. We for our freshman talent show, we played uh, like five Screeching Weasel songs. So it was like, you know, we couldn't have hidden it if we wanted to. How excited we were. It was a dream come true. It's like the guy in your favorite band signs you. That's like out of a movie, you know. Did Ben have a like a lot of personal input as far as what you guys were doing? Did you hear from him often as far as what direction he was maybe wanting you to go in, or was he just sort of doing musically? What you, do? you mean, right? No, he was like he's I, to us anyway. He was just like I think you guys are like a diamond in the rough type of thing. And uh, I, I, 
like he made us feel like it was a discovery and which is a, an awesome feeling and he just was like i'm gonna nurture it you guys go into the studio obviously you know what you're doing you guys are better singers than i am <laughs> like uh so i just want to see what you guys do and i mean what musician doesn't want to hear that from the person putting out their record so the the album that was released on the uh the label that was um was that can hear nothing or yep. was that no, we had an ep and then a full-length record so the ep probably had songs that ended up on the full length nope oh they're two exclusive uh releases and how many years did yesterday's kids stick around like two and a half two and a half years, <laughs> yeah, two and a half years of my life you know when i was i think i was 18 when we started that band so i'm 41 now <laughs> that's a, a pretty quick time frame and i remember like hearing about yesterday's kids that did lookout really open the door as far as the the local media sort of wanting to to write about you guys maybe the post crescent yeah nobody cared before that <laughs> yeah. we moved uh units so it, it was finally a good copy to write about us hometown heroes gone big and uh you know press is press we 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 loved it they must have wanted you to get out on the road after that and do a little touring they wanted us to and we wanted to but they gave us no help and uh that was kind of the beginning of the end for the band because we were you know in 2000 i was 19 so was justin and joe was like 23 so that's like prime age for just dropping everything and touring and for the life of us we couldn't get an agent other lookout bands wouldn't take us on tour um which i get you know we're nobodies we're not going to draw anybody uh ben again screech we opened for screeching weasel twice which is huge that is awesome like and they they weren't touring at the time they hadn't played since like 1993 or something like that and so again ben and that band was uh instrumental in catapulting any music career that justin or i have we've got a, a question here let's check it out wow oh boy i didn't study if I can successfully, <laughs> oh, that might that might be a misfire on the question. Mm. So if you if you're trying to leave a question, uh, yeah, try again. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a good question. Uh, somebody reached good out talk. and let me know that I saw um, that I saw yesterday's kids actually. <laughs> you did? Yeah, oh. uh, saw yesterday's kids with Jinx and Oshkosh at the Resistance. There was, oh, the the house. Yeah. Right, right. The basement of the house. I, I do remember that. You guys were a force to be reckoned with. A three-piece. And I remember walking down to the basement, and you guys had a lot of energy. Is it hard to play with that kind of energy today, or are you still kind of keeping that up? Um, I try to make music, and I think we did back then, that kind of, you know, riles you up. That's kind of how you know you got a good riff or a good groove. And so... That's just kind of how I play. I mean, I'm older now, so I'm pro I'm probably move a lot slower. But uh, that's just across the board, you know. I thought I was out of shape, and then I played a show on New Year's, and once the adrenaline kicked in, 
I felt pretty decent. And then you uh, woke up the next morning and did not feel decent. <laughs> well, I'm so old that actually two days later is when I got sore. So I think like if people that don't play in bands, it, it's hard to fathom, but like playing a show is actually a lot of exercise, hauling the equipment and then actually yeah. strapping that instrument on and standing there for some reason. That's like the good workout. Well, just singing alone, if you're doing it, even if you're not doing it right, like exercises, uh, probably, I don't, core muscles, I don't know what a core is. So if I'm saying that wrong, give us a call. <laughs> so yesterday's kids end up, they end up breaking up. Why, why was that? Um, there was a little bit of friction in the band and towards the end, Justin and I got to a point where, and I don't know if we realized it at the time, but we were getting better at writing songs and playing our instruments. And uh, we're just like, oh, we don't... We wanted a new drummer. And uh, honestly, that's when we should have said, you know what, let's start something new, because uh, this, this is the three of us. It's like part of what makes it special is that it's formed out of some childish um wonder that the three of us still have and uh kind of you know like i said joe is just a friend who we talked into uh letting us teach him how to play the drums he never took any lessons he's just a smart guy who when he decides to do something he gets really good at it and that's how he's always been and so we were like, well, you know, I've played with drummers. Let's let's get a new drummer. And we were too dumb to, re and we didn't want to let go of what we had going, momentum. And so we tried to get a new drummer. It didn't work, obviously. And we just kept playing. And then eventually it just was too much. We weren't getting anywhere. We couldn't afford to not have jobs anymore and um so i thought it was done honestly and we kind of kind of went our separate ways justin and i lived together at the time so it wasn't like it wasn't like a big falling out that where we didn't talk to each other for years or anything that didn't happen until much later <laughs> um but like a year, not even a year later, he was like, hey, you want to play guitar and sing for this thing I'm doing? I'm <laughs> like, well, of course, but what? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'll, I just want to play. And Justin's like my musical soulmate. So I'll say yes if I can anytime. And that we we pushed that for another couple of years, but it was just kind of like the other guys that we had hired in the not hired but had joined the band with us had either couldn't play anymore or justin wanted to go back to playing bass and then it's just the two of us again with a drummer and it was like great <laughs> uh it's, we're back where we were with a different drummer and just kind of went around in another circle till we couldn't afford to do it anymore and had to move on to different things it wasn't easy it, it took a couple of years and we were very young, so 
it was hard to process emotions like that for me anyway. So yes. as far as the obsoletes getting started, how was the feel compared to yesterday's kids? Did it feel similar? Did it, I mean, you had a new drummer, but the other pieces were the same. Well, it was at the beginning, it was a different band. There were five of us. Uh, it was John on drums. I played guitar and sang and Justin played guitar and sang. And then we had Andy Kavanaugh from the Goodnight Lovin'. He played bass. And then Josh Engel, who Justin knew somehow, was our organ player. And we were a five piece. And so when I got that, when Justin, I think he wrote me an email or something. He's like, hey, we're, we're going to start playing these songs live. Here's a CD. And he had just started kind of his recording career at a different studio, at Simple Studios. And so he was recording a lot of his own demos. And he would just have friends or whoever he was recording, add drums or whatever. And then he had this pedal steel guy come in and play on every song. And he gave it this like country feel. And John, actually, John Philip was the one that talked Justin into like playing the songs live and starting a band. And so they gave him the CD, and it's like this fully produced demo of songs to learn. And I was just, so I was like, okay, we're going country. And uh, that was kind of kind of the direction but we didn't have a direction we just kind of did whatever we wanted and then the same thing happened with our record we got this really awesome pedal steel player and we're just like play on as much as you can because you are so good but that really alienated the yesterday's kids fans because it just sounds country which is bad to some people as far as the turnouts were going, were they similar to yesterday's kids, or were, you, were people dropping off? No. Uh, the Obsoletes was, you know, like John was in the, the band The Benjamins, which was like a huge Wisconsin band. They they got signed to Drive Through Records, and we did yesterday's kids. So it felt like, okay, kind of this unknown... Uh, for lack of a better term, super group, you know, two bands coming together. And uh, so it wasn't as much of, we thought all of both audiences would come and that would be like, oh, one plus one equals two, twice as many, but it wasn't. But we, we had good, we had been playing for long enough. Like our second and third show was opening for Super Drag, which was like, all right, <laughs> we played, you know, Summerfest. So we got up to some big shows, but the one tour we did was pretty brutal. And there was a lot of shows where there was nobody there, which is fine. But uh, at at that point, that was that was like year number twelve for Justin and I working together, and I think we both had to move on. The Absolutes have gotten back together. A oh, yeah. bunch of time since then, so it seems like a project that's never fully sunsetted. It, no. Last time you got together, I think, was 2015. Sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, is it nice when you get back together 
with with the guys and, and do obsolete shows and um, it's, you're not really actively writing anymore right it's just playing the old stuff yeah that gets to be a drag sometimes for me anyway we're just playing the same 10 songs every time we rehearse but like you said it's 2015 or something that's what eight years ago so it's fine um but i still play a lot of those songs at my solo tim schweiger and the middlemen shows so it's not like i stopped playing them but i love playing with justin and john and i played with them a bunch in other stuff you know like all three of us have backed up uh multiple people together and so it was the end of that thing that we labeled the obsoletes and sold to people but it hasn't been the end of our musical careers by any means i toured i did one obsoletes tour with john philip but i've done probably 10 12 more since then you know so yeah it was the start of great relationships i mean justin and i had already been we'd already been together for 12 years <laughs> been together ever since but uh, John and I started then, and we've worked together a lot. And he's he recorded the drums on my latest session that maybe will come out later this year, but otherwise next year. Is John down in Nashville now? Yes. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's when you're recording with John, are you going down to him? No, man, it's the future. It's 2023. <laughs> the internet. I send him the stems, he tracks drums and sends me his stems, and... I edit them all together. Music is all clerical work and computer screens. You've been around long enough now where it, it is quite a shift from how it was recording Sadly, simple studios. Yeah. <laughs> like, do, you, do you prefer it a certain way? Do you like the, the ease of sending stems or do you kind of yearn for the, the studio days? Uh, it's a horse apiece, as they say. Each, each situation presents its own limitations and uh, strengths. It really depends on the situation of the day and like the setup. Like if if I had all the equipment of Sound City, but if it was in my basement, that it would suck. Like I would have to rent out a nice big studio for it or sell the stuff or I don't know. That was a dumb analogy. <laughs> but like, you know, like I, re- I recorded those singles in 2023 in philadelphia with pete donnelly and i i didn't go out there because his studio is awesome he's in the the figs right yeah figs nrbq he was in soul asylum for a while and he he played with tommy with me for a year or two and um i didn't go out there for his studio i went out there for him you know because it's not like it was even just 20 years ago just Technology has changed so much. I want to get back into recording soon, but first, I, before we leave the obsoletes, you did a, an album with Reverend Norb. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to tell me about this. Like, how did how did the uh, the idea to do it? It was a Bob Dylan in the was it the style of the Ramones? Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, it was so raw. That like it's basically it was basically cut live. It's basically a live album studio, which is awesome, in theory. Um, and some 
it got a lot of bad reviews and like that. <laughs> but it was also, I believe, still maybe to this day, Norb always tells me that it's the highest charting on Amazon sales album that he's ever put out. It was, like he didn't put it out. Alternative Tentacles put it out, but uh, it's still number one for him. And so hopefully that's still the case. Norb, if you're listening and I'm wrong, please call in. We'll take your call. So the Absolutes end up breaking up. You start your own thing. We're right out of the gate from the Absolutes, were you doing the middleman or was it? No. Um, during the Obsolete's slow, painful demise, I started a band with my friend Robbie and uh, our mutual friend Brett. We had all gone to high school together. And that's what now is known as Blue Heels. And I played with them for maybe two years. I did the first record. I was their drummer. How did you like that moving to the back? It was awesome. Um, I always wanted to be a drummer. And I think if I didn't, if I had grown up in like a house with a basement and stuff, I think I might have just gone to the drums right away. But I grew up in an apartment house. So banging on pillows with sti- with wooden spoons was, was good enough for me. Um, I saw you drum with uh, Walt Hamburger at Electric City as well. Oh boy. Which, there was some good sets there and there were some bad ones so hopefully you saw a good one the one i saw i believe was at the electric company the electric company cool (laughs) that's it it was a good set i thought it was good cool yeah walt actually was always really nice um we would just kind of help each other out we also went to high school together that's that's kind of how we knew each other but we we weren't friends in high school it wasn't like we weren't friends we just ran in different circles and met later on in life when he started punk bands and uh, uh, his band would play with our band. Um, But like, you know, at least in Wisconsin, I'm known as a lead singer, guitar player guy. And when those guys want to be drummers, a lot of people are like, you know, (laughs) stick to guitar, buddy. Or even some drummers are like, come on, man, you know give me the gig and i get it but i really love drums and he's always was the first to be like what you'll do great you'll be why do why are you nervous you'll be great and uh that was back when i still wouldn't bring a full drum set i would just play a snare and a kick a la boris the sprinkler easier to carry in theory (laughs) so tim schwager then you start uh start your own band and Mm -hmm. as far as the songwriting process you all of a sudden well you you said justin played and he he was still working with you when you were doing your solo stuff wasn't he Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean that i guess the dynamics weren't fully different from what you had grown up and what your process was but did your songwriting process change at all when you entered that phase um i mean yes and no my songwriting process always changes when I enter different phases of my life, and uh, but uh, I've always kind of just done it the same. Also, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you, Do you typically write on acoustic guitar? Are you pulling from your life for your your song kind of focus? Or are you sort of making situations uh, up? Um. Yeah, I, I write mostly on acoustic guitar. 
uh, a little bit on piano, but not a ton. And then the music I draw on real life experiences, like something will happen and I'll say something clever, you know, to myself or I'll think it's clever. So I'll write it down and then I'll create a, a context where that clever quip, uh, you know, is a, is effective as it's, it's almost like writing jokes, you know, like, uh, you know, I can write a, a love song about, I could write like two love songs today and uh, yeah, I'm not in love with anybody right now. So, uh, but I know what it feels like, or at least I know what it has felt like. Well, you, when you, you've got a lot of hooks in your songs too, are you writing the hooks after you've got the song structured or are you coming up with a hook and then writing the song around the hook? Usually if I have a hook, um, then I will write around it. Sometimes there's always like, like a, there's like one spark and then that will be the muse to fuel the fire for the rest of the song. You'll come up with a riff or you'll come up with a line maybe. Or sometimes you'll just come up with like a, like a little singing thing, like da 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 da, and then you can't get that out of your head, so you finish it. Um, you just need a starting point, and I don't care where it comes from, you know. Um, Do you have a favorite of the Tim Schwager and the Middlemen releases? Of the records, my yeah. personal favorite, probably the second one, just because. Is that Schwim Tiger? No, Schwim Tiger was the first. Big Letdown was the second. Uh, Schwim Tiger is, like, that was the first Tim Schweiger album, and I, half the songs are from an obsolete session that uh, we recorded, and then uh, in the meantime stopped playing. And I was like, guys, I want to keep playing. Do you mind if I put these songs on a disc and sell them at shows? And they're very supportive. And we're like, yeah, great. So that's Justin and John on like six of the songs on there. And then the middlemen, as it were, at the time, uh, Amos Pitch and Tyler Ditter from Dusk, those guys right there, um, they were my first middlemen. And that was like the only lineup for the first two years. And so we did like three recording sessions and a couple of those ended up on that first record it's like a comp that's more of like a compilation big letdown i went in took me a couple weeks to do i went through a bunch of stuff when i was making it uh it's the last record i made with justin you know it's one of the last ones justin made so it's special for a lot of reasons and then selfie the third one uh, me and Amos and Jordan, we'd made it at our houses. And so that's cool for that. But uh, people like the big letdown the most. So it give, makes people the happiest. Hence probably the deluxe. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's the one I'm most proud of out of those, out of the trilogy. The the solo trilogy. It's It was interesting to hear the sort of the progress of the song because on the deluxe version, you've got home demo you can listen to a live track and then the, the final track. And it's interesting to hear like some of the changes that were made, you know, during the process. So in that aspect, I think that deluxe version is awesome. Some people might 
think that's a little too much if you're not well yeah and i appreciate you listening to it and noticing stuff like that because i agree with you that's not for the casual listener and for that reason those demos like they're not on spotify or any streaming sites that's for like when you buy them it's just the live uh recording and the album are the stuff that's streaming and then if you want to buy the record you can get it it comes with all those demos because you know i'm like that i listen to records constantly and there was honestly there's a big liner note that goes along with it that tells the story of that record originally i wanted it to be like like get back i wanted it to be like uh a live album of all new songs and that's where that live record comes from justin recorded the live record um uh in oshkosh it was sawdust days i don't know if you guys <laughs> ever played that no. yeah um so it was like one in the afternoon in a giant like beer tent but perkins was what got hired to engineer the whole thing so it was like a 24 track multi-recording of the entire <laughs> set <laughs> And I was like, oh, opportunity. So um, I talked to Justin about it, and uh, the, Tyler and Amos were into it, and we're like, all right, let's do it. And that's why I think we play so well. Uh, and thankfully, it finally got released because I didn't have a, we didn't, it wasn't enough for a full album. And it sounded good, it sounded great, but then uh, Tyler left the band. Um, because he was in that band, Surgeons in Heat, so he did his own thing. And uh, that's when Mike Zink stepped in, and he's the one who's actually playing bass on The Big Letdown. From uh, He was in uh, The Mystery Girls from Green Bay, and uh, currently Hugh Blank's Joyless Ones. So when you were coming up with the name Tim Schwager and the Middlemen, it's a little confusing on Spotify because some it's Tim Schwager... In the word and, and then sometimes it's that that and sign. So, <laughs> if I had the foresight to, uh, I mean, I, it's not a good name. First of all, I wish I would have had the foresight to change my last name to something snappy, like Timmy Rocket, <laughs> Timmy Rocket and Firecrackers. Uh, I, there, that's better. You're kind of in a situation now where if you do it, it sort of alienates your well, previous Well, at this point, work. yeah. And that's, I was at that point, the reason why I just went with, with my name was because I was just like, I felt old at the time. I was like 25. Was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I do not want to start over. Oh my God. I'm thinking of a band name. Oh, I'm so old. Like, this, I'm too old for this. And, uh. I was getting, people were like, hey, can the obsoletes play this show? And like you said, we never officially were like, okay, everybody, this is it. Farewell. Uh, we're just not that kind of people. Um, but um, people would be like, can the obsoletes play? And I'm like, no. And they'd be like, well, would you play? And I'm like, okay. And I tried a couple acoustically. And when you play with bands at bars acoustically, it sucks. I mean, and I've had some good shows, but it's, it sucks just doing that and doing that. So I got my girlfriend to come sing some and some friends to play instruments. And eventually a buddy of mine was just like, just get a, like a drummer and a bass player. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I, you have to be a real egomaniac to go solo. 
and they're just like, just do it. The shows will be great. If you get great people, your songs are great, it'll be great. And I was honestly afraid. I had worked with Justin for 12 years, and that's the first 12 years of my career. So I was kind of afraid I would suck without him. And so I got, I got a foot, uh, push from my friends, and thankfully Tyler and Amos were like totally on board. They were the first people I asked, and they said yes right away. And we've been dear friends ever since. And so it it was originally the Tim Schweiger band because people didn't know what to put. They would just put Tim Schweiger. They're like, what do I put? And the band, the, the middleman thing is a joke. I just saw, I'm like, I want to play these shows. I want to play shows, but I have to have a band. So I felt like I needed to get these middlemen to get to where I wanted and it's since turned into like a running joke. Whenever I self-release something, it's called Middleman Records, which totally how I feel about record labels. And um, oops, and uh, that's where that came from. It was just kind of me giving up on trying to think of names. And sometimes Middleman is two words. Sometimes it's one word. Sometimes there's an ampersamp. <laughs> And sometimes it says and, and sometimes it says Timothy Schweiger and Tim Schweiger. And to top that all off, there's a famous German actor named Till Schweiger. I, I ran into some of that. Uh, Till, like one letter off from Tim. And in Germany, when people when I when I tell people my name, they laugh hysterically because he's like the Vin Diesel of Germany. <laughs> so. You- you put out a few singles in 2020. Mm-hmm. It kind of it had to be for you. Were you enjoying sort of the time off from playing shows with the all the? I mean, it's kind of cliche to talk about it, but the COVID stuff. Like, were you enjoying that, or was it just you felt like you needed to get something else out? Is that why the singles came out? I mean, yes and no. Again, sorry <laughs> for the the double sided answers. Uh, I had just, in 2019, I did a four-week tour on drums of Canada in November. And I don't know if you've ever driven across Canada in November, but it's cold and there's a lot of snow. And (laughs) I thought, uh, you know, I'm from Wisconsin, but they just kept making fun of me and like, well, you're not used to this? I'm like, yeah, but damn, it just doesn't stop. And it was four weeks of it. And so I was ready to be home for a little while. And so putting out singles digitally was like the perfect, uh, the, the kind perfect of nice thing, thing to do. Yeah, sorry, I lost the word. So as far as the covers for that, it, it allows you to kind of do more cover art. And do you do, you do the cover art yourself? Or no, you? that... and. Another thing that was really awesome about it was I got to not kind of reconnect with Amos, but Amos did the cover art. And um, like I said, he's a super, super dear friend. I love him so much. And his band, Tenement, obviously is awesome. I I did a tour with them on drums. I'm a huge fan. Um, How does it feel to be like such a influence to a lot of those bands like Tenement? I know Amos has been on this show and he cites... You know, the obsoletes and yesterday's kids. I think he's full of it. I don't believe him. Um, I don't know. Like, what does it feel like when people say that to you? It's They don't. 
<laughs> well, he doesn't say it to me. Like, why doesn't he? Amos, why aren't you telling me these wonderful things? <laughs> like, I could use a text message in the middle of the night just knowing how great you think I am. For me, it's kind of hard, like, knowing bands like Yesterday's Kids and the Obsoletes. And, uh, because I think there's, like, a lot of things change so fast. And there's lots of bands that are coming out now that, as far as the local history stuff and the local bands, there's really not a spot for them to find that anymore if you're not on Spotify and if you're not aggressively pushing it mm-hmm. around. I mean, it's I don't know, like, how to engage, like, the newer bands with some of the you know the the classic i guess you could say the, the classic bands that sort of formed the scene in the area i don't know what your thoughts are that's a good question uh my thoughts are to have as many all ages shows around here as possible that's that's the only way you're going to get that's the cheapest way you're going to get exposure to kids is to get them to come out i mean just driving down the street here i was reminded of going to the columbus club going to shows over over a couple blocks over here in appleton and you know that was one of the first shows i went to also one of the first shows i got uh we as a band got rejected (laughs) i you know went up to the promoter i was i think i was 11 i was like hey uh this is awesome can we play the next one and he just he looked at me and he didn't even say, he didn't even respond. He just was like, went back to <laughs> watching the band. Didn't want to babysit us. It's it's hard too when you're starting off. I don't know if like when you went to Tim Schwager, if you felt like the same pressure because all of a sudden you're kind of trying to book things behind your own name instead of a, a name you've already been behind. I, yeah, and that's why I went Tim Schwager and not like you know some cool name. <laughs> Because um, I was able to use the momentum, as much of the momentum we had from the obsoletes as I, you know, could, while still respecting the band, you know. Uh, not that, I don't even know what that means, but, um, I, yeah. And you've got, I think most of your stuff is on Bandcamp. Uh, it's the a, middlemen stuff, yeah. I I put all that stuff on there, sure. Yeah. Do, are you having any stuff put on vinyl? I know that yesterday's kids and the obsoletes have sort of been getting oh put, yeah put out. Well, the, one another thing that started during the pandemic, and so like you know we we remastered my second record. Justin and I have been working also on the yesterday's kids stuff, which every session of the yesterday's kids stuff is on a different format and it's taken us like three years to find places that still have those machines that can hook them up to computers and transfer them the first dp uh we had to send the tapes to a place in nashville and it took it took like two months to for them to get to it and they figured it out and the tracks sound great and we're gonna have uh Mike Kennedy from All American Rejects and Screeching Weasel. He's going to do the remix of them, and just just the raw stems alone sound great. Now we're still looking for um, the full length. That was done on a recording, or it was done on a recording. It was done on a computer, and those files that was in like two thousand, and. It was done on a video editing software, I, pr- I think. 
um, if I remember correct. I know what it's called because we have either Justin or me or Mike has to buy that <laughs> software, and we're not sure if it'll work on our modern computer. Justin's kind of thinking we may have to buy an old crummy PC <laughs> to extract the files, but it, that, that's what this has been like. You know, it's hard enough to get music off of reels of tape, uh, but this was a whole level of just headaches and money, just too much money, but worth it. Cause once we do this, you know, I don't think we'll ever have to do it again. And as of now, yesterday's kids is not streaming anywhere. And in one way it's cool because it shows we still have complete control over it. But, you know, a lot of people are missing out on some stuff I'm really proud of. Yeah, a lot of great songs from, from yesterday's kids. And yeah, getting that stuff like how important do you think vinyl is becoming as far as, I mean, it's hard. It seems like CDs are kind of hit or miss. They're almost like business cards now. But vinyl, it seems like people that even don't listen to vinyl or have a record player are buying it just because it's cool, I guess, right now. Yeah, I think the trend is on an upward tick. Um, but honestly, like I've been collecting records for the past 30 years. So it's hard for, I don't, it's hard for me to, I just go by record prices and they're relatively reasonable right now. So I guess that means that the market is okay. Um, but like my parents started buying records and uh, when my band started putting out records, that's when they got interested in vinyl. Are there lots of like good record stores? I know you've been living in Milwaukee. Is there lots of great record stores popping yeah. up down there? Or a lot There's of a ones? bunch, that, especially since uh, the exclusive company closed. Uh, shout out to the exclusive company. Uh, rest in peace, Mr. G. Uh, I, in fact, I'm wearing a, the shirt of a Bullseye Records. It's my favorite record store in Milwaukee. Give them a plug too. Uh, but a couple, both, there were two exclusive companies and both locations opened new record stores, which is great. You know, I was really worried and I don't know what the scene is like here since the exclusive company closed. I drove past where it was and nothing's there. Yeah, they've got eroding winds on College Avenue. Was that Adams? Yes. Really? Yep. Does he have two locations now? Oshkosh and Appleton. Get out. <laughs> Congratulations, Adam. We've, we've got a question. Uh, does Tim still strap a water baby to his van? Strap a water baby to my van? Yeah, strap a water baby to his van. I read that right. I don't know what it means. I don't know if you know what it means. God, it sounds familiar. <laughs> I'm just going to say, absolutely, I do. <laughs> I Sorry, I really don't know what that means. It sounds kind of familiar, like it's something I should know from my past. Seriously, I've forgotten way too much of my past. <laughs> when you when you look back at, at like past shows and, and everything, does it seem like you did that, or does it seem like a different person? And do you have like a, a memory from any specific show that you think back to often? Like I'd really like to, to just live that moment again. <laughs> <laughs> There's no moment in my past I would like to live again. They are perfect the way they are. Um, I have lived a charmed life, especially musically. And I think about it often, and especially going back and listening to all these Yesterday's Kids songs, 
Um, I've been in a bunch of bands, and I've been, you know, hired to play with other people and played with them way longer. Um, but this stuff is like, you know, me and my buddies from my neighborhood. And, you know, there's something, there's just something about you singing a song about the girl you like, and then your buddy singing it with you at her, harmonizing. And it's just like, oh. And so I, I just feel every emotion every time I listen to it. So it gets heavy, and I need to take a break for like a week at a time. But it's a good heavy. And I, I'm really proud of it. And I'm glad it's going to be on record. The first EP was never pressed on record. So this would be a first time for that. It was just a CD back in the day. So I'm really excited about this. In fact, after this show, I'm going to get coffee with Joe, the drummer. Awesome. Yeah. What, what can people expect when they go to a Tim Schwager in the Middlemen show? Um, Face-melting guitar <laughs> solos, hot dance moves, the latest trends, and uh, free pizza. <laughs> Free pizza may not apply. You've got a show coming up next week at the Lyric Room. Yes, you are playing with a great some great bands. I I love. Um, gosh, it's, it's Beach Patrol. It's Beach like Patrol. it's like right on the tip of my mind, and I couldn't think of it. Beach Patrol, love Beach Patrol. Uh, their song "Smiling," cause I'm happy. Love it. Mm. It's, it's it's the perfect anthem for Nick Mark Antonio. That dude is always smiling. He's he's got a very infectious smile for it sure. Does. And you're playing with the uh, the Rocket Bureau as as well. Yeah, that's um, my new drummer. Well, I use the term new and drummer loosely because I have so many people playing for me. But he's been playing the shows for me pretty regularly. Kyle Motor, who runs Motor Studios in Madison, where the uh, Midwest Beat recorded all their albums, he's playing drums for me, and that's his band. So I was like, you guys want to come out to Green Bay with us, and well. We'll do something with Beach Patrol. It came together like like a snap. How, how do you like playing at the Lyric Room? Is it one of your preferred places to play? It's good. Um, You've probably played there often. I've played there a lot with know, a lot of different bands. Time Bomb Tom is a, a big Tim Schwager fan. He's He's been a huge catalyst to being responsible for me having any success as a musician running his club and giving my band a chance even when we probably sucked he saw something in us and he's the sweetest guy um yeah he's the promoter uh sorry i got swept up in the love for tom <laughs> what was the question i just said that tom was a, a big supporter of you yeah. if people are looking to, to go to the show it's at the lyric room next saturday mm -hmm. uh, march 4th Doors open at 7.30, show is at 8.30. Tickets are $7. You can get them at Kegger's Bar, Rock and Roll Land, the Green Bay UFO Museum and Gift Shop. Have you been there yet to the UFO no, Museum Gift Shop? Next Saturday will be my first time. Uh, they're having an in-store performance, I think. Prior to the... In the in the afternoon at like 4. And so I'm definitely going to go to that. And the, the show is a 21 and over show. Which kind of rounds me back to your all-ages venue question. I mean, I don't even know, besides a coffee shop around here, I don't even know if coffee shops are doing shows around it's here. It's a damn shame. And honestly, when Tom and I work together, we try to do an all-ages show if we can, and there's just no options right now. Like I said before, 
driving around here reminded me of going to the Columbus Club show over there at the Knights of Columbus Hall. Like, people don't do that anymore, at least not to my knowledge. I know basement shows still happen in Milwaukee, but I'm so out of the loop that they would probably think I was a cop if I went there. <laughs> yeah, I guess basement shows when you get older become a little iffy to... <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, people think I'm a creep everywhere I go, so it's fine. Tim is uh, going to do a live song for us today, a live acoustic, and uh, how are you feeling about this? This was something you weren't informed about prior to getting here today. Oh, no, I've been set up way worse, <laughs> way, way worse on, on live air, so I prepare for the worst. It's fine. I'm a professional. Don't worry about it. What are you going to treat us to today? I'm going to do something off the big letdown uh, that I don't normally get to do live because it's the acoustic song on it, and it's called Sister. Are you sleeping? Did you dream your life away? Would you listen if I told you things were gonna be okay? Come on now. others what's in me sister time has stripped me of the things that I don't need if you don't want you don't have to if you don't want well I can go I've been looking for a while now if I see a little light, I'll let it show Ooh. Away, would you listen if I told you things were gonna be okay? Cause if you don't want, you don't have to. And if you don't want, well, I can go. I've been looking for a while now. If I see a little light, I'll let it show If I see a little light, I'll let it show Ooh. 
great. Thank you, Tim. Oh, thank you. Um, if somebody is going to check out Tim Schwager and the Middlemen for the first time, what track do you recommend? What album do you recommend? Uh, Red Coyote, single, easy, just one song. Gets kicking right away. Um, maybe you can give a link under in the show notes or something. Uh, the album, definitely go to Big Letdown, like I said. It's the one people like the most. <laughs> 